Welcome now to Culture at Work on the Business Radio Network, presented by Crest Insurance with host Matt Nelson. All right. Well, welcome everyone to today's episode of Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance Group, where we learn from and celebrate the local leaders, businesses, and nonprofit organizations who have stood the test of Tucson time. I'm your host, Matt Nelson of Crest Insurance, and I'm joined here today virtually by uh, in Tucson Business Radio X studios today by Kathy Roach, who is, um, I think, first a friend uh, and and one that I'm very happy to uh, to have, but also the co-owner, general manager, and the chief financial officer for a great local Tucson business, Santa Rita Landscaping. And this month, we're going to be talking about the values of integrity and accountability and how they relate to workplace culture. So first and foremost, um, happy holidays. Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us. It's truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Matt. It's nice to see you, and thanks for that uh, introduction. You're a great friend. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Well, so, you know, this time of year, even in a normal year, has always been a place uh, for me to reflect and take stock of the of the last 12 months and uh, conduct informally what we called in the Army an AAR, right, an after-action review. And and so I can kind of get a chance to identify and analyze what happened, um, what I wanted to have happen, any differences between the two, and, and try to uncover any lessons learned that could be incorporated into the next year. And so when I think about a year like 2020, which I'm sure we're going to be analyzing for decades to come, um, I can only think that this kind of exercise is, is more important now than ever. Uh, what do you think, especially in light of, I know Santa Rita has gone through some changes um, in addition to everything 2020. You know, what do you think? What's your process when you get to the end of the year to sit down and, and kind of reflect and, and think about what you want for the coming year? Well, on a, on a, personal and a professional level, uh, we always like to, first of all, set some high-level goals every year. And so towards the end of the year, it's great to take stock and see how, how do we do, how are we doing, what can we learn. Um, one, of the, one of the questions I always like to ask my team is, what is the biggest, most persistent problem that we haven't solved this year? And we usually do that around September, so we still have a few months left to try and solve that problem. And then that helps us carry into next year. Um, same personally, I set my goals and um, I love checking in monthly actually to see, to see how, I've, how I've held myself accountable to them. And um, it's great to also have um, connections with the community, uh, be involved in things like Vistage, because uh, they really help you uh, stay accountable to your goals. So, is, and and introductions are always interesting, and and I think perhaps the audience would benefit um, from hearing a little bit of how you came to be, you know, co-owner, chief financial officer, general manager, because, you know, you didn't start out in the construction and landscaping industry, and and for that matter, you didn't start out in Tucson. So, could you share a little bit with our guests about kind of how you got? To, to come here and, and what keeps you here in Tucson, especially coming from, you know, coming from California and through all the transitions you've made? Absolutely. So for the last 30, over 30 years, um, I've been involved in helping companies improve. And I have my formal training is in accounting. 
Um, I've worked in public accounting. I've worked for many private companies. And what I've really come to love over the last several years is creating processes, um, enhancing cultures, and this idea of a destination company. Um, I was lucky enough to find Santa Rita Landscaping uh, just a couple of years after I moved to Tucson. So my husband and I and my family moved to Tucson about 18 years ago. Um, we wanted to find a place to live that was warmer. So what brought me to Tucson was the weather, like many people, I'm sure. But um, I was really lucky enough to find Santa Rita Landscaping. Um, it's really exciting to work for a company that has a mission and, and values and goals that align with me personally as well. Um, Santa Rita Landscaping, um, one of their mottos is professional landscaping delivered on time. And that's exciting to give to people. However, what's really, what I'm really passionate about is the remarkable team. Um, that's what's most exciting to me. Um, remarkable employees and remarkable customers. Um, I started at Santa Rita as their controller. I uh, was promoted to um, CFO and then a few years ago promoted to general manager. And it's, it's been such a blessing to meet so many um, great customers that we have and really to meet so many great employees. Uh, we've, we've grown over the last 35 years uh, to about 250 employees. And it, it's been really exciting to, and rewarding to see the growth of the employees uh, throughout my, my stay here at Santa Rita. I was fortunate enough to become co-owner earlier this year. And um, it's really exciting to, to turn what I've always enjoyed doing into um, something personally that um, is so rewarding to me. And actually, I'm glad you brought up Santa Rita's growth because I think, you know, one of the things that when you look at a company that's, you know, 250 employees plus, um, you know, you're seeing a company, you're seeing an organization at a, at a moment in time. But when, when I started researching, I mean, I thought I knew the Santa Rita story pretty well. And then I spent a little bit of time in preparation, doing some more research and really as impressed as I've been, as I read even further, it, it's just the, it's the archetypal American business story, right? It's, it's starting a business from scratch, um, literally two guys and a truck, a small loan from a local bank, and then growing it through hard work and, and ethics to be a pillar in the community and to provide, you know, 250 plus people a place to make a living and, and a place to make a home. So, how, and, and I know you've been with the organization for a long time, so how do you feel, what do you feel was most instrumental in that evolution? And, and, and what do you think, if somebody is at that beginning stage right now where they're saying, boy, uh, the economy's in a tough spot right now, and, and I started out, or I'm looking at starting out, I wanted to, I want that to be my story. What do you think is unique about the Santa Rita story of the Santa Rita way, and and what do you think other businesses could take from it if they want to be that, that employer of choice in their industry? One thing that has always impressed me about Santa Rita is the philosophy of the Santa Rita way. Uh, the Santa Rita way really defines us as a company. 
Um, a lot of companies have uh, their vision and their mission statement on the wall and, and, and for many companies, it's just words. But here at Santa Rita, we really live it. We hire by the Santa Rita way, we fire, we train, we recognize, we reward, all based on the Santa Rita way. It is something that has been in development for the last 35 years, ever since the, the very first year that Brian and Garrett started Santa Rita. And it basically is the, is the way we do business. It talks about quality. It talks about our values of professionalism and integrity and constant improvement. And most importantly, urgency for our customers. Uh, we've always been a very customer driven business and our mission statement stems from the Santa Rita way, which is a remarkable team, extraordinary results for our customers. And it, that, that means so much to each one of us every day. Uh, one thing we do to keep that in focus, and we really make it a living, a living motto and a living document is every year we, we create stickers and these are waterproof stickers and we give them out whenever we catch anybody doing things right. Um, anytime that someone's being professional or someone's being safe or someone's giving excellent customer service, we give them a sticker. And these stickers are very coveted stickers. They go on our hard hats. And at the end of the year, the employee with the most stickers on their hard hat uh, wins a prize. And it's been really interesting over the years to see how that evolves. Some years, um, a crew will get together and they'll donate all their stickers to one person, one person that really exemplifies um, the Santa Rita way. Um, and it's just, it's really a fun way to remind us that that is our focus. The Santa Rita way is who we are, it's what we're about, and it kind of ties us all together. You know, I think that actually speaks a lot to the theme of this, that one of the themes of this month, which is, you know, integrity. Um, integrity and accountability and, and the idea that, to your point, uh, if you allow your mission and vision statement to kind of become, you know, this thing that just sits on a wall, if it's not something that there are ever present reminders of and, and that you've got torchbearers throughout your organization, um, it does kind of become just this thing that people play lip service to. So how, when you bring a new team member on, I mean, do you have intentional members? Do you have members that you've identified intentionally throughout your organization that are your torchbearers? Is it just something that, or is it something that just has been so ingrained that it's just organic and everybody does it? How do you keep that fresh and alive? Because there are so many organizations where, not intentionally, but it just kind of fades into something that sits in a handbook and, and you see it when you're hired, but it's not really being lived. Yeah, so we don't we don't really have any torchbearers. We just every single one of us lives it. Uh, we we start out by when we're interviewing our applicants, we start out by giving them a copy of the Santa Rita Way. We ask them what speaks to them on the document. Uh, we we train to the Santa Rita Way. Like I say, we reward to the Santa Rita Way. So it's it's just something we do every single day. Now, one thing that has really propelled um, everybody's buy-in to the Santa Rita way is, is we, we, a few years ago, felt like we had hit a ceiling. And we felt like 
that we couldn't get past a certain level. It was the first year in about 15 years that we, we didn't have an incentive payout because we weren't hitting our goals. So we went on a mission to find something that could help us hold our people accountable. We were feeling like if we could hold people accountable to do what they say they're gonna do, then we would hit our goals. And what was really interesting is we discovered through our local Vistage group, it's a, a Vistage is a CEO, a global CEO group. Um, we were introduced to this concept of EOS and it stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. And what really spoke to us about EOS is that everything started with what they call this vision traction organizer and having your vision. And what EOS said is that in order to hold people accountable, in order for people to hold themselves accountable, um, you needed to create clarity. And that was really, that was really interesting to us because clarity is basically getting everyone rowing in the same direction, right? It's, it's getting that vision shared by all. And we thought, well, that's what the Santa Rita Way is. It's this vision that we have to have this company that has a remarkable team of employees, a remarkable team of vendors, and a remarkable um, team of customers um, all rowing in the same direction. So what was really interesting is EOS it was founded by a gentleman by the name of Gino Wickman. And basically, all he did was take all the best business books that we've all read and he took all the best ideas from them and put it in a really simple, easy to use method. And we felt like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what's going to tie our Santa Rita way to us wanting to hold our people accountable. It, was, it felt like it was a, a perfect driver to get that vision shared by all, you know, get everyone rowing in the same direction. And so, you know, as you mentioned the word accountable within an organization, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways that can be applied, right? And so, you know, one of, the, one of the things I know you and I have talked about in the past over our years of working together has been this idea of ownership thinking that, that kind of permeates all levels of the organization, which is really a challenge, right? Because within a lot of organizations, there are layers of employees that, quite frankly, aside from is the company doing well enough such that my position doesn't get eliminated, um, there, isn't, there isn't really a direct tie to how the company does um, and, you know, a reward to them. And, and so there is this disconnect in a lot of organizations. Sometimes once you get out of the ownership class, there's the complete disconnect. Sometimes you've got shareholders that maybe span down into, you know, like your sales team might have a direct tie to the company's performance. Maybe it's not based on margin though. So they don't care what the margin is on the cases they've sold, just that they've sold cases. And within Santa Rita, your team seems to have found a way to get everybody invested. How did you do that? And, and I know that there's like a cultural element to it, but is there a structural element to it that really makes everyone on, get on the same page and appreciate the organization doing well from a top line perspective, the organization maintaining efficiency when it comes to margin acquisition. How do you do that within your, within your structure? So I'm glad you asked that because I'm so passionate about uh, making sure that employees are part of 
of all of our analytics and, and a part of all of our solutions. Uh, we we uh, have an incentive program called Ownership Thinking. And basically it trains people how to think and act like an owner. And we've been doing this for years. It's part of our Santa Rita way. And basically we're an open book company. We share financials with, with all of our employees. And when you start talking numbers and percentages and general ledger codes and cost codes, most employees' eyes start to glaze over, right? So what we thought is if we want to be a business of business people, we're going to have to give our employees some education, some financial education on how the financial statements basically work. And we wanted to show them where they fit into the financial statements. So we do training with our employees on a monthly basis, and we talk about the, the key points of a financial statement. We talk about revenue. We talk about direct expenses, gross profit, overhead expenses, net profit, and EBITDA. And we educate them to where they fit in, and we let them know how we're doing on each of those. Um, because of the, the eyes glazed over look when people start talking about percentages and revenue and where we are to budget, we developed a system, a visual system to show our employees how we did each month. And the, the guys and gals in the field get really excited each month. We have what we call a what's going on meeting, our WGO meeting. And we tell them what's going on. We tell them how we did last month, what we see for next month, and we give them a little education on where we think they can improve. And we ask lots of questions at these meetings. But basically what we did is we created some clear plexiglass um, tubes and we put a, a line towards the top that's the budget. And we say, okay, I have revenue. Do we wanna be above this, this target line or do we wanna be below? And they all know above, we wanna be above budget and we pour actual rocks, we pour actual gravel into these tubes and we show them how we did last month. And we do that for all of our direct expenses, our overhead, and then we have a giant tube that shows our net profit. And every month we add to that. And everybody knows that that net profit tube is divided into 12 sections, one for each month. And the goal is, is that we need to meet or exceed the threshold, which is the top of the 12th month in order for us to have an incentive payout. So we review this with them monthly so everybody's on the same page, knows where we are in the company. Um, we were doing that long before EOS came into our organization, but EOS really seemed to be the, the thing that tied the bow on the package because it really it really drove down that in order to hit our goals, we had to be focused. We had to maintain focus. And what EOS says is that studies have shown that every humans can pay attention for about 90 days and then we get off track. We start to lose focus. We go down rabbit holes. So EOS is all about a 90 day world. So what we do is Every 90 days, we, we get together and we say, hey, how are we doing on our goals? What do we need to do to hit our goal, our annual goal? EOS advocates that in order to, to hit your goals, everybody has to know what your 10-year goal is. And if everybody knows what your 10-year goal is, then you set a three-year goal because your three-year-old 
your three-year goal is going to help you get to your 10-year goal. And in order to hit your three-year goal, you have to hit your one-year goal. And in order to hit your one-year goal, you have to, every quarter, do the things you need to do to hit those numbers, hit those goals, whether it's a safety goal or a customer goal or a financial goal. So we call these goals rocks. We give people rocks. These are the most important things to do in the next 90 days to help us hit our goals. So there's really no way to uh, get off track because we're tracking these things. Every single week we meet, we have a level 10 meeting it's called. And basically what you're doing at this meeting is it's the same time, same bat time, same bat channel, same bat place. Um, and we are, we are saying, okay, what did we commit to doing last week? Did we do it? And what do we need to commit to for next week to make sure that at the end of these 90 days, we hit our goals. So there's no way to get off track. We hold each other accountable every week, every month, every quarter. So when you talk about, and that actually is a, is a great segue into the second piece of accountability um, that, so you think about your typical organization chart, right? And so we've got people that report up to a unit level manager, a unit level that reports up to maybe a division level manager, and it kind of works its way up the pyramid. But the accountability is something that flows upwards, right? The, the subordinate is responsible to the supervisor. Now, it sounds like when you're doing this mutual process of goal setting, though, that there's a degree of accountability that is conferred downwards, right? Where as a leader, I am responsible for if the rock didn't move, if I was part of this kind of dialogue about what are these rocks that need to happen, and the rock didn't move, that there's a question of, was this an issue where the person didn't understand what the rock was or how it had to move, or did I not appropriately resource that person to do their job? And the thing that's interesting to me is that parallels a, a couple of discussions that I reflect back on or a, a podcast that I listened to um, about uh, this concept of extreme ownership, which is something that was kind of coached a bit in the military, which is, you know, like if somebody isn't prepared as a leader, the question first points back to you, what did you not do as a leader to get this person prepared either in communication or supply material, whatever it is? So how does that work at Santa Rita? Is it similar? Is it slightly different? How have you made that accountability function work both ways? That's the only thing I can think of that would allow you to place that degree of trust all the way down to the lowest level in your organization. Yes, uh, great question. So the first thing we did when we said, all right, how are we going to hold people more accountable? Because just telling somebody to do something doesn't make it, doesn't make it happen, right? So what we did is we moved from an organizational chart to an accountability chart. And we, we got as many leaders and managers of the company we could together. And we said, we want to make an accountability chart. We want to make sure that everybody knows exactly what they're responsible for, exactly what they're being held accountable for so that we can all work um, individually, but still hit our common goals. So the first thing we did with our accountability chart is we mapped out what are, we, what are the major functions we need to get, get our work done, to hit, to hit our annual goals. And like most companies, we said, well, we need someone in charge of sales. We need someone in charge of operations. We need someone in charge of finance. 
and we need someone in charge of HR. Those are the four main functions of almost any business. So we said, okay, well, of those four main functions, what are the five or so most important roles for that function? What are they supremely held accountable for? And we all, we all talked and we all came up with what those five, five or so things were for each position. Then we said, okay, who's the best person that we know, whether they work here or not, that could fill this box? And we all shouted out all, all kinds of names. Some boxes had a lot of names, some boxes only had a couple names. And then we went through a process to determine who is really the best person to fill that role. Once we did that and we determined those four people, uh, we said, okay, now who is going to make sure that these four roles are working together to accomplish our goals? You know, somebody that has their eyes set on the goals and someone that's going to make sure all the trains are coming and leaving at the, at the, at the right time and all of our different departments are integrating together. And EOS calls this position the, integ the integrator position. Um, in, in the real world, in our business, it was called the general manager position. And so we made this general manager box. We did the same thing. We came up with the, the five, five or so functions of that box. And we threw out names of people that could fill that box. That's actually how I, I got into that box. I was voted into this, this box of being the general manager. Now, below each of these uh, four major functions, we did the exact same thing. And we set up a role for every function that had to happen in the company. So once we had that, it was very clear of who was responsible for what, because the, the main thing is, is only one person's name can go in that box. There can only be one person held accountable uh, for that box. So when we meet on a weekly basis at each of our various um, level 10 meetings, everyone is very clear of who's responsible for what. And when we set rocks, it's one person responsible for the rock. Doesn't mean that only one person actually does the rock, right? You might need other people helping you, giving you input, um, but you're responsible to make sure that everything happens on time. And what's really great is that these weekly meetings one of the quick check-ins we do is we go, okay, so-and-so, you're rock number one, on track or off track? And they simply say on track or they simply say off track. That's all they say. And when we get through all the rocks in about 30 seconds, we say, okay, anybody off track, do you need help? Do you need a hand from anybody to get on track by next week? And if they do, we help them out. If they don't, we let them go. Sometimes they go, you know, I'm off track because I, I really don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing here. And that's when the rest of us can chime in and help them. So it's, it's a, it, the, the accountability chart is a tool that really helps us um, get our rocks done and be accountable for, for our rules. So I'll tell you, I've got, I've got a, a, a pivot question, but since we're coming up on the bottom of the hour here, let me just take a quick break. And so for those of us who are just joining us, this is Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance. As the largest locally owned and operated insurance brokerage in Southern Arizona and one of the top 100 insurance agencies in the United States, Crest is your hometown broker to assist with commercial insurance, workers' compensation, and employee health insurance plans. And now I'm your host, Matt Nelson, and back to our conversation with Kathy Roach, 
co-owner, general manager, and chief financial officer of Santa Rita Landscaping. So thanks, Kathy. So as we're thinking about accountability and integrity and the and the importance of that within Santa Rita's operating system, but but any operating system that really has an emphasis on those values. One of the toughest things that I can think of in, in any group is how to maintain integrity and take accountability when things have gone wrong. And and I know for Santa Rita, you've had a pretty exciting 2020, but for a lot of businesses, 2020 has been an exceptionally difficult year. Um, how has that played out for Santa Rita in such a such a strange year? And and if you were to give a fellow business owner advice in a rocky situation, how would you go about that? How do you create a place for your employees to feel confident that they can admit when things have gone off the rails? That's a great question because it's always difficult in business or even in um, your personal family relationships. It's so important to create a safe space, right? A space where people feel like they can voice their opinions and they're not going to get ridiculed or fired or made to feel like a fool, right? And that takes a, a lot of many little um, encounters of asking for their advice, listening for, to people's advice, and making people feel like um, their vote counts, right? So we, we try and do that here at Santa Rita in many, many instances, really give a voice to people. We realize without the, without the guys and gals in the field, um, none of us guys and gals in the office would have anything to do. Super critical to listen to what, what they do. Um, that's no different with any, any other position here. Um, my suggestion, well, before I say that, um, back in 2008 during the big recession, it hit us really hard. We, we, we had 70% uh, of our business was in new home builder sales. So when the new home starts fell, we fell, we fell pretty hard. We went from about 180 employees down to 40 employees. Only time in company history that we had to lay off employees. We learned a lot from that. Um, after we were able to rehire all of our employees and as we've been growing here, we've been very cognizant of um, making sure that we are continually asking for people's advice um, that we're very analytical, that we're following the market, that we're planning ahead so that we don't have big dips. Uh, we have been very fortunate this year. Uh, we've been able to work every day. Our employees work typically in an environment outside where it's a little safer. We, we just feel very fortunate. Um, my suggestion to other business owners or people starting businesses is Find your own Santa Rita way. Really define what makes your company unique. Uh, what makes you, Santa Rita unique is we have professional landscapes delivered on time. That's not, not a common thing in the construction industry. Um, I would suggest that you really focus on customer obsessions and become a destination company, a company that wants to hire all the best people have all the best vendors and have the best customers. And the last thing I would suggest is adopt EOS early on. You know, it's used by companies that have 10 employees and companies that have a thousand employees. And that's because it's simple, it works, helps you define your values and helps hold people accountable and really make people feel like um, they have a place in the company and that their voice is heard. 
So those would be my my suggestions. Find your own Santa Rita way. You know, I'm, I'm interested because you brought up a couple of things that don't come up often um, when, you know, you start talking about organizational culture and leadership. And that's, you know, you've, you've got your team internally, but externally, who you choose as a customer can have a tremendous impact on how your business is able to function, who you choose to partner with as your legal counsel, um, accounting firm, so and so, insurance partner. Uh, these things can all affect how your company operates. And, and when you do that, um, you're incorporating a lot of cultures that, I mean, ideally you would hope that they at least align with your culture or they're compatible with it. Um, but it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's something that's outside of your scope of control. Uh, how do you do that? How do you vet, let's say first a customer, what, what makes a customer a good fit for Santa Rita versus one that you've looked at and said, you know what, as, as much as we'd love the business, you're just not the right fit for us because that is, especially after a year like this, that's a really tough conversation, I think, for a lot of businesses to have. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, what makes us uh, unique is that we do several different kinds of landscaping. We have commercial work where we work on roadways and public spaces and ball fields. We have um, custom residential, which we do custom residence backyards. We have new home builder sales where we landscape subdivision tract homes. We do maintenance. Um, so most people will have, will have a spot in our company based on their needs. Now, one thing we're not is the low cost leader. Uh, we are one of the most expensive landscaping companies out there. But the value we give for the landscaping, the professionalism we bring, the reputation, the not having to worry uh, if we're going to be here or not over the years to, to, um, for warranty calls, that all makes a huge difference. But we feel like we're open and honest with everyone, including our customers. And if we feel like we're just not a good fit for someone, we'll let them know that we're not a good fit for them. And we'll give them a couple of suggestions of other companies that might help them. Um, because at the end of the day, um, most of our business is repeat business and based on referrals. And we want everyone to have a good experience, whether or not we do their landscaping. Same with our employees as well. Um, we don't hire everyone that comes in the door. Um, we're a destination company. We want to make it so that everybody wants to work here and we're going to pick the best people. So aside from your culture, uh, you know, and, and the idea of employees having a voice, which, I mean, I, I grew up working in construction. I've, you know, I've, I've tied my fair share of rebar. I've finished some concrete. Um, and it is not terribly common in my experience that somebody seeking to hire a person, um, you know, coming into an industry, coming into construction and say, hey, look, I want to give you a voice. I want you to feel like you're invested in a part of this organization. Um, first off, how is that received? Secondly, how how do you attract and, and, and really kind of categorize the benefit of that to employees that, you know, it's so foreign to, I think, what most of them are going to hear in general, but certainly in the construction industry. How, how does that conversation go? The best way to attract people is by current employees bringing in people, right? Current employees loving where they work so that they tell other people, hey, this is a pretty cool place to work. Um, 
they tell they tell their friends like not every company gives an incentive plan. You know, not every company um, gives more paid time off than um, other companies. Not every company supplies health and, and uh, benefits. Not every company gives us all the tools and equipment we need. So we we work on it from several different angles, really trying to provide a place for anybody that wants to put in the time and effort to build a career and have the job security that knows that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to continue attracting great customers, continue building our company, growing our company, and hiring more people. So word of mouth is huge. And the only way you get word of mouth is if you is if you really treat people uh, fairly, um, employees, customers, and vendors. So when you look at, and again, this is kind of one of those Matt's perspective from from working a little bit okay. in construction, but you know, employee advancement is always an interesting topic, right? Um, and and I suspect with Santa Rita's emphasis on and and the 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 exercises of putting employees' names in boxes, you know, whether they're in the position currently or not, where should this person be? Um, really strikes me as, as challenging from a recruitment standpoint, especially with how difficult it is to attract talent, um, you know, even now, with, you know, after the year we've had, but leading up to right now, I mean, it was almost impossible, right, to, to try and go out and compete for talent. And so promotions and advancement were always really difficult because now I've created myself a problem. I've got a, I've got, you know, a, a person that's on a crew that they're set to be a four person, you know, a foreman. And that's great. I'm glad to have talent. I'm, I'm glad to have people that want to want to accelerate and lead, but now I've got to go find more talent down at that level. So how do you handle that within your organization where it seems like there is such an emphasis on personal development and people growing within the organization? Because again, in my experience, that is not particularly um, ubiquitous. I think it's the word I would use uh, <laughs> in the construction space. Yeah, very, very true, Matt. Um, one thing we do is we're continually trying to develop our people, um, give them more skills. Um, that not only helps them, it helps us as well. One thing we do is we have what we've created, um, it's called training guides. And it's specifically for the field. And it shows somebody how they can move up from a team member who may have very limited landscaping experience and can move up through the ranks, can become a lead man. A lead man actually takes over for the foreman if they're out or gone. Um, up to foreman, onto supervisors, onto production managers. We really want to find the people that want to make landscaping their career and we want to help them grow. And the training guides gives them every skill they're going to need to learn in order to make that move. Now, landscaping is not for everyone, for sure. It's hot, it's hard, it's, it's physically demanding. So not everybody that starts with Santa Rita stays with Santa Rita, right? A lot of people go, you know what, landscaping's not for me. But for the ones that want to make it their career and, and learn the different roles, we have a way to help them do that. And yes, we can't all be foreman, right? We need people at each of the, the levels. Um, but that just puts more pressure on our sales team to sell more work uh, so that we can fill all those roles. <laughs> 
So as you look at, you know, the, the 30 some years you've been uh, working in, in corporate finance and tax, um, the majority of it was Santa Rita. What would you say is the experience that if you could think of a single experience, maybe it's where things went really right and you said, oh boy, I should continue modeling that behavior or experience where something went wrong and there was a mistake or misstep and you said, gosh, that's a landmine. Here's something that nobody should step on. If you had to pick one, either side of that fence or both, if you'd like, um, what would you pick? What's been most important as you've kind of grown and developed to, to where you are now? Oh my gosh, there's so many of both things. Um, we're very analytical here and we're very, very in tune to, we need to find out not only what we did wrong, but we need to find out what we did right so that we can use that to get better in the future. Um, I would say the one thing that, if I were to pick one thing that I feel like we've really gotten right over the years is our incentive plan. I think an incentive plan is so huge because the only way to have an incentive plan and to have an incentive payout to your, your people is if you hit your goals. And the only way you can hit your goals is if you train everyone to do their part in, in the wheel. And so I would say our, our incentive plan, um, we call it a BHAG. Have you ever heard of a BHAG? I have not. Please elaborate. <laughs> it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. So we always ha make sure we have a BHAG. And what's really interesting is for the last decade, our BHAG has been that we wanted to pay out $2 million in incentive dollars by the end of the year 2020. We've been focused on it. We talk about it. You could ask anybody here. They know what our BHAG is. And we're in the process of developing the next decade's BHAG now that this, this goal is ending. We're not going to hit our goal, but I'm so proud to say that we have paid out about 70% of that number in incentive dollars. And that can only happen because we have people that are, are willing to um, say things to make things better, to say things that they've done wrong so we can make them better. And um, it's really been an exciting journey to see over the last 10 years, people grow, uh, the business of business people, making business people out of landscapers. I mean, heck, we're landscapers, you know? We're, we're, we work in the dirt, we're dirty. Um, but we really made a business of business people that want to get better. And I think, uh, and maybe this will be the, the conversation that can carry us through to the end. But so, you know, this year you've now become a co-owner in the company. Um, and Santa Rita already, uh, you know, a 250 employee company here in Tucson, of which there, there aren't a ton of those, right? Um, which is exciting. What does the future look like? What is your, you know, what is your 10-year goal now that, you know, you're looking at it from the vantage point of, of where you're at? What, what is in the future for Santa Rita? And maybe something that we can kind of use to flavor that question. Is there anything about Tucson or Arizona specifically that, that you look at and say, hey, that's part of our competitive advantage, or this is why we stay here? Because again, that's, that's a decision that 
I really don't know as a community, we always take the time to appreciate, which is businesses that continue to stay invested and committed to this region. So can you, can you share a little bit about that for Santa Rita, just in terms of like your, your organizational goal, but also why Tucson? Yeah, sure. So our, our organizational goals is to triple in size over the next 10 years. Uh, we have a list of things that the community is asking us, services that the community is asking us to perform that we haven't ventured into. Uh, we would like to do that. We would like to grow. Um, our, our mission has always been Southern Arizona's landscape solution. Uh, we're changing that to Arizona's landscape solution, but Tucson is so important to us because we have a reputation here of if Santa Rita says they're going to do it, they're going to do it. They're going to get it done. Um, in the construction industry, as you know, there's many deadline delays. There's many deadlines that go over, over budget and, and not on time. And what our motto is, is we, we deliver what we say we're going to and on time. We go out of our way to make sure that we do what we say we're going to do. If we're going to miss a goal, we make sure we tell people in far enough advance so that they know, and we do whatever we can to hit the new goal. Um, I think that is why Tucson has grown, I mean, why Santa Rita has grown so much in Tucson is because of our reputation. Um, we, we love our customers, the customers that we work with, and we love, we love being the company that is professional and is really customer obsessed. I like that. And, and the customer obsessed piece, I, I, you, again, you don't often see that in construction, right? I mean, construction, I think in, in a lot of ways, you know, it's um, through years of being almost like a bid based business, it's performed to spec, right? Which, which in and of itself kind of precludes the ability to be asking the second and third layer questions that really drive you towards customer obsession. When you as a professional know, Hey, you know, if we made this change, this would actually net out to a better result for you as a customer. And, you know, that might have some effect on the original job as bid. It might have some effect on our margin as bid. How does that communication process go with your customers when, you know, when you're doing something that's so radically different, perhaps, than what they're accustomed to? It, it is difficult in the construction industry to, to make all that work, but communication is the number one thing. You know, you must communicate with your customer and it's not always easy and it's not always fun. And we harp on it every single day. You know, our goal is to contact our, our customers within 24 hours that they contact us, if not, you know, sooner in the very same day. But it's all about communication. It's about making sure that everyone's on the same page. It's the same thing internally as externally with EOS is everyone has to be clear on what everyone's goals and intention is. And even in the construction industry where there isn't a lot of win-win, uh, you have to communicate, make sure you're on the same page and know that you're all after a common goal, right? You all have a deadline you need to meet and hopefully you meet it profitably, safely, and you get a referral out of it. And so as, we, as we're closing down here, if people want to, well, first and foremost, since you've mentioned it so much, um, you know, EOS, if somebody wants to learn about EOS, um, where should they start? 
you know, whether it's uh, online, locally, where could they begin to pick up that piece and say, all right, this works for my company. Who do I talk to that can talk to me about how? They can definitely find it online. It's, it's being used in thousands of companies. Um, I would recommend that the first thing they do is read a book called What the Heck is EOS? It's a very short book. It's a book actually intended to give to your employees after you've started the process so that they can get an understanding of it. If they want more information, the full details are all exposed in a book called Traction. And locally, there, there are people that can help them get started. And I would be happy to give out names of people that can help them get started and show them the way um, to, to create their clarity, their vision, and their own Santa Rita way. And then lastly, if, if people want to reach out to Santa Rita, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody looking for custom residential, um, where could they go to, you know, obviously your website, but if they wanted to see, you know, kind of walkthroughs of projects and things like that, are there anywhere, is there anywhere else that they could find more information about your organization? Absolutely. Uh, you could come on down. We're at 750, 755 West Grant. We have a showroom. We have a gallery of pictures. There's also a gallery of pictures on the website. Uh, we'd be happy to give you customer referrals where you could see uh, different projects we've installed or we've maintained. Uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to them. Perfect. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time today. I, I really, really appreciate it. And this is such a great conversation for, you know, as the companies are closing out the year and, and getting ready to set their BHAGs for 2021 and, and beyond. So really, truly appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, with that said, Matt Nelson from Culture at Work at Tucson, presented by Crest Insurance, part of the Tucson Business Radio X network and uh, thank you all for listening wishing you a happy holidays and we'll catch you next month bye-bye join matt for another interesting culture at work podcast right here on tucson business radio x.com